0: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Oh, no, we're here. We're live. I feel live. And local. And, I mean, uh, I feel,
2: I, I'm a little tired, but I don't think that Are I, you tired? Just a little, but I don't feel like, you know, I feel lively and able to continue on with the show. You
3: showed up. Yeah. It's 4.05. Sure did. It's 91 degrees.
2: And I lost my phone earlier. I know you did. And burned about 300 calories trying to find it. Where was it? Running It was under a hand towel mm. in my bathroom. <laughs>
4: the, what, when moments, I saw it I was course. like,
2: "You" Right. Got moments to of be deep self-loathing. I, that is exactly what uh, it was. You do, of I was so annoyed. Right,
3: I, yeah. Uh, I've got that little Apple Watch where t- it really tells you where your phone is. I tell not tell you yeah, how many that times I've used nice. it. Oh, that would be nice. That would be nice. Really grateful to you. You might
2: want to consider getting me that for my birthday. Okay. Or Christmas. Yeah. Christmas is first. Sure. Yeah, I'll yeah. jump in on that. Cuz yeah, we've yeah. always been faithful in getting on another mm. gifts.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's got great. a haircut today. D-
2: yeah, it looks mm-hmm. nice, John. Thank
3: you. Went down to a Rain Jerry's. High
2: and tight. I like it.
3: That's what I tell him. Mm-hmm. That's good. Jerry says, "What do you want?" I go, "Tighten me up Jerry. Yep. And uh, that's what they give. Good. I think it's, it's a good place. It's a it's the perfect old man's barbershop. It is. Okay.
2: Yeah, just kind of. What does that mean? Just kind of a conversation, laid back.
3: It's some guys in the chairs, you know, blah, blah. You can talk or not. You know, you can take a little snooze while, you know, someone's cutting your hair. It's it's low maintenance.
2: I've never snoozed while somebody was cutting my hair. Have you done that, actually?
3: <laughs> yeah. More often than not.
2: You fall asleep? Yeah. While someone's cutting your hair? Sure. What do I care? You don't do that? Aren't you talking to them?
3: No. I mean, a little bit. At the, hey, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And then, I, what well, I got... Some guys want to talk all the time when they're in the chair. I'm not going there for, like, social time. I'm there for the guy to do his job. Uh, he probably talks to And people. you're
2: going to sleep? Yeah.
3: I shut my eyes. I close it up. and you know, Lexi, ever one time, ever, Come on. have
2: you fallen asleep when you were getting your hair cut?
4: I mean, I've gotten close to falling thank asleep, you, but I have you. never done it. Of course not.
3: I do it. On, I look forward to it, actually.
4: I, I keep what? myself awake for it.
3: I get a 15-minute snooze. I pay the guy uh, 15 bucks, and uh, I'm out the door.
4: I, okay.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's
2: how it is, that's all. Coming up on today's program, let's see, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk about uh, finding our identity in Christ. Also, Irish parents are taking action on smartphones mm, uh, because it. of all the information we all know about how bad it is for the mental health of kids in particular. mess with the Irish. Um, also, does this make sense? Always. Coming up at 525. Okay, very good. And then in the 4 o'clock hour, Harvard named the worst university for free speech.
3: <laughs> Harvard? Really? Uh, that's a boatload of money to send your I kid mean, to Harvard, isn't even it? Doesn't make any
2: sense. Oh, yeah. Okay.
3: It's all ridiculous. right. Uh, we have a full show. We sure um, do. Uh, you want to do a little spotted lantern update.
2: <laughs> you know, I don't think we should. Okay. I mean, there seems to be a lot of them. Uh, uh, flying This is the around. epicenter of the uh, lantern fly. Yeah,
3: and they're inside.
2: Infestation in Allegheny and County. And
3: outside. Yeah. Uh-huh. They find their way they're around.
2: in. They're uh, in. They're all around this building where mm-hmm. we work. Uh, they're all over our cars. Everywhere. They're in the parking lot, on the mm-hmm. windows. Mm-hmm. They show up inside.
3: And in secret hiding places. <laughs>
2: that we can't. That's
3: all we're saying. It's just it's how it it's is. It's been a hard day. All right. That's uh, news wise. Uh, let's look at the uh, top four forecast. Okay. four. Kath, give us to us, please. The top four at four.
2: It's Wednesday, September 6th, 2023. Mm-hmm. Number one. A Russian missile strike on a market, John, in an eastern Ukrainian city, killed at least 17 today. As U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken arrived in Kiev on an unannounced visit. Blinken's trip aimed to assess, according to today's Wall Street Journal, Ukraine's three-month-old, oh no, I'm sorry, according to CBS aim to assess Ukraine's three-month-old counteroffensive and signal continued U.S. support for Ukrainian efforts to drive out uh, Russian forces, Uh, even though there are some Western allies expressing worries about how much progress we've really had after 18 months of war. CBS News correspondent uh, Imtiaz Tayab, and that's a guess, said Blinken's visit was the first to Kyiv by such a senior U.S. official since the start of the Ukrainian counteroffensive. And just hours before he touched down, Russia also aimed a barrage of missiles at Kyiv for the first time in about a week. Fortunately, most of those were intercepted by Ukrainian air defense. Uh, Blinken's visit, of course, expected to announce the the, uh, new military aid between 175 million and 200 million. Read more about that, as I said, at CBS. Number two, limited archery hunting, John, will be permitted in two Pittsburgh parks this year. According to today's TRIB, a city council said today that they approved legislation that will clear the way for limited deer hunting to address the deer population. Uh, there will apparently be a host pilot program in partnership with the U.S. Department of Agriculture that's going to allow no more than 30 hunters to hunt in the city's Frick and Riverview parks on one or more designated hunting days this fall. Urban hunting. I gives me the willies. No, I think it's a I good could. thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I am saying it gives me the willies. Okay,
5: sure.
2: okay. Number three, Ben Shelton. Have you ever heard of Ben Shelton? Mm, no, no. No, I bet you haven't. He'd never played a U.S. Open night session, and that's tennis I'm talking about, until he stepped onto Arthur Ashe Stadium last night, had never played in a U.S. Open quarterfinal. He was unseated, unfavored, and had lost more singles matches this season than he'd won. And yet... The 20-year-old from Atlanta smacked 50 winners on, a way, on his way to a 6-2, 3-6, 7-6, 6-2 victory and a Grand Slam semifinal date with Djokovic. Outstanding! I mean, that's really exciting. That's He's big six time. foot four um, from the University of Florida, and wow. he just became the youngest American to reach a U.S. Open semifinal in more than count them 30. Whoa! Years. How exciting! 30 years, both the men's and women's side. We've got Americans. I mean, that's really shocking. You could do that. And number four, a weird animal story for you. Thank you. A South African conservation group called African Parks has announced it is set to release 2,000 southern white rhinos into the wild in what is said to be one of Africa's largest rewilding programs of any species. And that is your top four at four. How many? 2,000 southern white rhinos over the next 10 years.
3: (laughs) That is so cool. Isn't it? Holy Listen, slugs. this guy. Like? there's
2: a guy who owned um, something called African Parks, and he spent his entire fortune, all of his life savings, um, trying to care for rhinos. He did it for 30 years, but there was too much financial stress. He couldn't keep this enormous property going, and so he was really terrified because he thought, if I – can't keep this going then poachers are going to come in and all all the time and energy i've put into this saving these animals is going to be for naught. anyway um a non-government organization came in and bought the whole bought all the animals and all the land and is committed uh to caring for them and releasing them slowly as
3: is best i would love to see a rhino up close oh me
2: too except they're very fast yes. and also deadly, very terrifying. Right. But poaching, illegal ivory trade, habitat law—I lo- mean, there used to be five hundred thousand rhinos in yeah. Africa and Asia, and now there's twenty-two thousand. Wow. Well, God anyway, bless. Anyway, it's those a really, people. it's a really interesting story. I've just kind of given you the outside, but you can color in the lines if you go to ABC News. Excellent.
3: All right. That's enough a lot to digest, but we're going to move forward here with the show. Want to say hi to our friends at WAVA in Washington, D.C., in the nation's Beltway. Coming up next on Grieving and the Fragility of Life. It's The Ride Home, Pittsburgh's Christian Talk on Word FM.
6: 101.5 WORD.
0: We're continuing our study in the book of James this week. We'll find out why gossip is a destructive sin, not a form of entertainment. We'll discover how to identify and resist even its subtler forms. And we'll learn to plan properly without presumption. That's our focus this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg.
1: Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD
7: former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. I have partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address, and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit. And also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000.
8: Donald Trump warned America. The U.S. dollar is under attack, and it's becoming less and less valuable by the day. Hyperinflation and speculation is killing your retirement. Don't leave your money sitting in cash. It's time you diversified and protected your future with physical precious metals. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000 and get your free digital dollar survival kit and learn how you could get up to $1,000 in free silver today. Call Advantage Gold now at 800-900-8000 to get your free digital dollar survival kit and you may qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Advantage advantage gold is the number one rated gold and silver company in america your future is precious protect it today when you call advantage gold call 800-900-8000 now advantage gold is not
7: an investment advisor or a tax advisor check with your financial advisor before investing
9: that's 800-900-8000 one in ten people you'll pass today are food insecure many of them children Your donation to Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank will directly help feed over 700 kids a day through summer and after-school programs across Allegheny County. And through their partnership with hundreds of schools and community organizations all over Western PA, you'll help to increase access to free meals for kids year-round. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org today to donate or become a volunteer. pittsburghfoodbank.org.
3: Do you remember the, the first time someone that you knew or loved died? Remember that? I, I was probably uh, 11, maybe so, 10 or 11. I, I could not wrap my mind around that, that someone was here today and then gone tomorrow. The the fragility of, of it all. It just It made no sense to me. And of course... <laughs> all these years later, it still doesn't. <laughs> exactly. It does not. Dorothy Littell Greco is back with us. She's a regular guest on our show, author of Making Marriage Beautiful and Marriage in the Middle. But today, Dorothy's going to talk to us about grieving and the fragility of life. Hi, Dorothy.
10: Hello. How are you?
3: We can't complain. How are you doing?
10: Um, pretty well. Very hot. Unseasonably hot here in Boston.
2: Yes,
3: in Pittsburgh as well.
10: hot here as well.
3: 91 <laughs> today and all is well.
5: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> It's uh, Dorothy, I'm sure, you know, hearing what John said, it resonates with all of us. Uh, it's just, you know, death is so non-understandable, I guess is the best way to put it.
10: Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And I think that that, to me, is an indication of the Lord's presence and calling in us that we should be living
5: yeah, I agree.
10: forever, right? Right. It calls us into um, the eternal. I think that that's one of the ways that that shows up.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, as a a 10 year old, it made no sense. But then, of course, as you grow older, your circle widens and people that you know and love, they, they pass sometimes suddenly, sometimes painfully slow. So how in the midst of it all, Dorothy, do we stay present to the loss
10: yeah, that's really hard, isn't it? Because nobody really wants to deal with sadness or grief or loss. Those are not happy feelings. And particularly, I think, in our culture at this time, that's what we all gravitate towards. So I guess that for my, for myself, for the process that I've had to go through um, in the past 10 years in particular, I think that there's several things that I could bring up and you can let me know whether any of them resonate with you. Yeah. Uh, The the first would be to not run away when the pain surfaces or washes over us. Um, I wrote in a substack last week, our son witnessed a fatal head-on collision um, when he was coming home, and it was, you know, very traumatic for him, and for me, it triggered, so I had had some losses that had been um, piling up that I hadn't accessed. I was very busy. I just kept kind of pushing them to the side, and Listening to him talk about what happened and sitting with him made the, the pain just surface. So I think that that's probably the most important thing for us is not to push it down, not to pretend it's not there. And then when it comes for us to not self-medicate, which is often just like, you know, the easy go-to, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. food or drugs or zoning out of media, um, there's so many ways that we can just say, I can't deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. And then I guess the other thing that I would say is to really allow ourselves to suffer with God and the presence of God and with others, right? We need to let people into that pain um, rather than boxing them out and saying, no, I'm good, I'm fine, I don't need anything. Um, It's when we allow other people to come in and to comfort us and to stand with us that we um, are known, but also that we have companionship in the midst of our suffering, and that's really important.
2: Tell me what companionship uh, looks like at moments like that.
10: Sure. Years and years ago, um, when my husband, the man who is now my husband, broke up with me um, when we were engaged, it was a, it was a shocker for me. And um, a friend of mine called and asked how I was doing. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm really not doing great. And she said, Well, I'm going to come over. So she came over. She sat with me in my bedroom, and she said, I really feel like that I want to sing a hymn to you. And my mm. first response is, I'm like a really independent, somewhat stoic person. I just thought, no way. <laughs> that was my first response. That is too intimate. But I allowed her, you know, to just sing. And as she sang, she put her, she put her arm around me, and I just started weeping. And I probably cried for more than an hour. Mm. Um, and that hasn't happened too often in my life, but I think that that sense of just saying to somebody, yep, this is where I am. And if you can be with me in the midst of it, that would be amazing. Yeah. So,
2: I mean, how did you, that has to be somebody that you know very well, who you can let into that place because otherwise it's just too weird. And it's, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, it is uncomfortable, but it's also weird.
10: It is, right. And because if you we don't know, when we choose to be that vulnerable to somebody else, we have no idea, unless we're really good friends with them, are they going to respond appropriately? You know, they might shut us down. They might give us one of those platitudes of, you know, you really shouldn't be grieving. You should just trust God and be happy. And those sort of things are really unhelpful when we're in the midst of grieving. Right.
3: People often talk about emotional intelligence, but I also know that there's something like spiritual intelligence as well, right? Those two intersect.
10: Yeah, yeah, for people to have a sense of what's actually going on right now and how is it that I can hold space for this person who is dear to me, or maybe maybe not, maybe it's not somebody that you even know very well, but you feel like I can be present. I might mm-hmm. not have any answers. I might not be able to do anything to change the situation, but I can be present to them, and that is, that is an amazing gift.
2: Dorothy Latell Greco is with us. She's a writer, a speaker, and a marriage coach. She lives near Boston, where it's very hot, like it is here in Pittsburgh today. (laughs) Um, Dorothy, uh, what about... I was going to say coming out of the grieving process. And I use that term because I think that's what I thought um, before I lost my parents. I thought it was just going to be like I would be in it for a while. Season? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I would come out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, it was John who helped me to kind of see, you know, he talked about his mom and dad. And he said, I think about them every day. And I thought, well, surely Mm -hmm. you don't think about them every day. And that's
5: exactly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you don't really come out of it.
10: Right. Yeah, I think. You know, the, um, Elizabeth kubler Ross's book on death and dying from 1969, she talked about the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I think the categories are super helpful because they help us understand like, or name, like, what is it that I'm feeling? But I think she talked about them as if it was a progression, you know, like if we just go from one to two to three to four to five and then we're done. But the reality is we cycle back into anger after we think we've accepted what's happened, or we might go back into the denial phase um, after the depression phase. So there is no linear progression to grief. We, it takes as long as it takes, and we have to um, just allow ourselves to, uh, to process what's happening, to partner with God, to get the kind of help we need, because oftentimes we do need help um, to process these things. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and— you go back to it again and again and again. And, you know, what you and Cass said at the beginning, the, the shock is so real because it is mm-hmm. not, it's, it's just not natural. And so that even for a non believer who suffers that shock, it, I would think it would give you hope in what heaven would be that, it, that there is more to this life.
10: Yeah. And I don't know whether you would agree with this, but I think part of what's so difficult about processing grief, you know, there's the intense pain of the actual loss. But then the, the other component of grieving that we often don't talk about is what we need is meaning and what we need is hope, right? Um, that's why we so often are, are badgering God, why? Why did you let this happen? What we're really saying is I don't understand it and I need, I need meaning and I need hope in yeah. order to get through this, this place. Yeah.
3: I, I said this before on air, and this is a, a weird thing. This is a memory that I always think of. When I was in, in my late teens and early 20s, I, I used to uh, work for a funeral home. So I, I, saw, mm. I saw death really up close. I mean, for years I saw this. And one of the first things I ever saw, a, a, a woman had died, an older woman had died, and we went to this woman's house and took her body because at the time you had to go to a, um, a hospital to be pronounced dead. So there Hmm. I was, I was, I'm sure, 17 years or so, 17 years old. And the the son was at the house, and of course, he he was grief-stricken. He was wailing. He was deeply moved by the the sudden loss of his mother. But when we got to the hospital, (laughs) this was the weirdest thing I ever saw. The son sort of turned something else, and he was essentially, for lack of a better phrase, he was hitting on a nurse. Wow. And and Hmm. I thought, I said to this guy that I was with, that is so weird. And this guy that I was with, who was a mortician, he said, John, death is weird. So all bets are off on how people respond to that emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty wise. I mean, it was a strange scene, but I mean, everybody makes it up on their own accord.
10: Right. It's a very personal thing. Gosh, John, what an intense job for you to have. That I can't even imagine all the things that you had to see and process.
3: It was an excellent job. I mean, talk about emotional intelligence to, to be with all those people yeah. day in and day out and all the different uh, situations I found myself in. Uh, I loved it, but I'm, I'm glad I'm not a mortician.
2: Yeah, and it's not for everybody. <laughs> it is not. Not is for not, everybody. No. Dorothy, our time's almost up, um, but I guess I want to go back to something that you said a few minutes ago, uh, kind of when we started, you said, you know, it, the, the, the incredulity with which we greet death is just a sign that it wasn't, we all we recognize in our deepest parts that wasn't meant to happen. Um, right. The other thing I think is by, um, you know, by medicating ourselves, and I don't mean with pharmaceuticals necessarily, but with whatever, um, trying to get away from the sadness of it, I think we don't uh, appreciate. W- the truth of the resurrection, and I'm saying this specifically for believers in Jesus. So if you're a listener to the show and you think, you know, I don't really, I don't believe anything, this might seem weird to you. But for those of us that do believe in Jesus, if if there really is a resurrection, um, then that was the defeat of death. And death really is the enemy. Death was not right. like a good friend who came in and- Relieved to, their yeah, suffering. Right. Death Death is not our friend. Death is the enemy and death was defeated. Um, so I think that has to enter into the believer's rationale when they're trying to think through it.
10: That is so wise, Kathy. I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And that is what gives us hope in the midst of these kind of losses, right? Yeah.
3: So just for you, Dorothy, I mean, you think about this, obviously, write about it, pray about it. What's your... What's your takeaway here in grieving and the fragility of life? Right, people, people listening right now, I'm sure, have, are going through, if not, you know, near before that process.
10: Again, I think just uh, you know staying, staying present to what's happening, trusting that if you allow yourself to feel it's not going to last forever, the tears are not going to go on for days and days and days. and I think that for some people, that is why they resist it because they're afraid that if they enter into the pain, mm. it'll just suck them down yeah. into a vortex yeah um, so I think believing that it will it will lessen, but it will take longer to lessen if you don't accept. The reality of what happened and allow yourself to feel deeply.
3: That's good. That's good wisdom. Dorothy, it's always a pleasure. We really enjoy our conversations with you.
10: Thank you. I really enjoy being with you guys.
3: Thank you.
2: You can check out the book Making Marriage Beautiful or Marriage in the Middle, both by our guest, Dorothy Littell Greco.
3: And the Substack as well. It's an excellent read. Yeah.
9: She's here. Very deep and interesting. Dorothy Littell Greco.
2: Coming up next, Harvard named the worst college for free speech.
9: Doing it right. Roofing, siding, remodeling. Now offering their Labor Day special of 15% off any new roof or siding replacement job signed in the month of September. Restrictions apply. Visit roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com or call 724 new roof for details
11: Right
0: call. Doing it right. Attention, taxpayers. Ready for some bad news? With $80 billion in new funding from Congress, the IRS has launched their most aggressive hiring campaign ever to ramp up enforcement. If you're ignoring your taxes, don't delay another minute because your paycheck check your bank account even your home or business could already be at risk now here's the good news optima tax relief america's number 1 tax relief firm can get to work immediately helping to protect you from the irs a plus rated by the better business bureau their tax attorneys and licensed professionals are experts at resolving tax problems let them help determine if you qualify for the fresh start initiative or other powerful irs tax assistance programs take control call optima tax relief now For a free consultation,
12: call 800-965-1433, 800-965-1433, 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com.
13: Hun, we need to stop putting off getting life insurance.
14: I know. It's just been so busy, and I'm sure the cost is out of our budget.
13: Well, Jen told me that they got a $500,000 term life insurance policy from Ethos for less than $23 a month. All online with no complicated forms and no medical exam. All they had to do was answer a few health questions.
14: Wait, no medical exam and all online?
13: I know, right? It's not easy to think about, but if something happened to you, James and I would be...
14: Okay, I get it. Let's get a quote from Ethos right now. Wow, you were right. There's no medical exam. And Ethos makes the whole online process fast and easy. And look at these rates and coverage options. It's great protection. And totally
8: fits our budget. Ethos. They've removed all the barriers from getting coverage. Go to checkethos.com to get your free online quote. That's checkethos.com. Quote based on a healthy, non smoking 30 year old male with a 20 year term policy, rates may vary.
9: Roofing, siding, or remodeling?
8: A right, call, doing
9: it right. 724 New Roof.
8: We are everywhere. On your radio at
6: 101.5 WORD FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, in
13: and Odyssey. Would you risk crossing a street busy with traffic? Against the light? Watch where you're wearing a blindfold? <coughs> Probably not. Other risks aren't as obvious, but could be just as deadly like the risk for type 2 diabetes. Take the free diabetes risk test to learn if you are at risk. Go to diabetes.org take the test or call 1-800-DIABETES and stop diabetes before it stops you. A message from the American Diabetes Association.
15: Partly cloudy skies expected for tonight. It'll be warm with a thunderstorm, the nighttime low 69. Mostly cloudy and humid tomorrow with a thunderstorm in spots and a high of 81. A thunderstorm in spots tomorrow evening. Otherwise, partly to mostly cloudy skies, humid low 64. Mostly cloudy Friday and humid with a thunderstorm in parts of the area. Expect a high Friday of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon
3: harvard university has been named the worst school for free speech scoring a zero out of a possible 100 points an organization called the foundation for individual rights and expression released its annual college free speech rankings today which dubbed the state of free speech at the ivy league school abysmal um Despite being the most acclaimed academic institution in the country, Harvard received a 0.00 point free speech, ranking on a 100-point scale. That's uh, bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Harvard's score was dragged down by the fact that nine professors and researchers faced calls to be punished or fired based upon what they had said or written. And, and those are the professors. Yes. And seven of the nine were actually professionally disciplined. So... uh I don't know. The scores calculated based on factors including how strong the school's policies are in favor of free speech, and how many professors, students, and campus speakers have been targeted by authorities I mean, for their the, free speech. Uh, what the heck? I mean, what's it cost to go uh, to Harvard? You think oh, 70, 80 grand probably, a year, maybe? Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, we are in a crisis time right now," said Janet Haley, a Harvard Law School professor, member of a council called the Council on Academic Freedom to defend open inquiry on campus. Many, many people are being threatened with and actually put through disciplinary processes for their exercise of free speech and academic freedom on this campus. What the heck?
2: So does that sound like a communist state? Yeah. Right, that's what happens in communist states. We will shut you down. We don't agree with you. Exactly, exactly. Then you are
3: not welcome here.
2: The whole idea of a university was that kids would be exposed to all sorts of ideas, yeah. right? That you would be able to have enough knowledge and wisdom to sort through them yes, and to think, okay, well, that's not something I agree with, or that is something I agree with. Not that we're protecting kids from what we think they shouldn't be exposed to.
3: Exactly. And of, of all places, Harvard University, I mean, it's just so absolutely an crazy. echo chamber exists yep, there. Right. You're sending your kid there. I mean, Right. Remember this whole thing about affirmative action from the Supreme Court a while ago mm-hmm. and, you know, legacy admissions and all that. Right. Right. It's just like, yeah, Harvard was leading the the list with heart with legacy admissions, as right. I remember. So the echo chamber is deep and strong and alive. Yeah.
2: So what so you you're graduating a lot of super smart people who clearly can't reason their way through issues if you never present them with an alternative viewpoint.
3: Yep, exactly. So what's the point? What is the point? You'd be much better to go to community college. Exactly well, honestly, right. And be able
2: to actually have a conversation with somebody where people exchange actual opinions. Oh, I don't know. Good night. Okay. After the break, we're going to come back with Chris Martin. The top 10 websites um, and what they tell us about the Internet. I wonder what the top 10 websites on the Internet are.
3: I bet you eight out of 10 of them are porn. Don't you think?
2: I guess you're probably right.
3: We'll find out next. Stay with us. Pittsburgh Christian Talk.
6: WORD.
9: Pastors and ministry leaders, Word FM would like to say thank you for all you do to serve God's people and our great city. Come have lunch on us Thursday, October 12th aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress. It's our pastors and ministry leaders appreciation cruise, a free event for senior and associate pastors, ministry leaders, and their spouses. Enjoy fellowship, a great meal, and beautiful views of our city skyline. Free tickets will go fast, so reserve now at wordfm.com. Ron had a tax problem he
12: just couldn't handle on his own.
16: I owed the IRS taxes for over five years, but I didn't have any money to pay the taxes.
12: Those years cost him dearly.
16: Most of it was fees and interest. It was horrible.
12: Ron finally called in the pros.
16: I called Optima Tax Relief, and boy, am I happy I did. (laughs) The leading tax
12: resolution firm, Optima, is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. They've resolved over a billion dollars for their clients. Ron was overjoyed.
16: They settled my account with IRS. I was ecstatic. They are a lifesaver. They are. I am so happy.
12: (laughs) Take Ron's advice and call Optima now for a free consultation. Yeah,
16: don't do like I did and wait. Call Optima Tax Relief. Do it now. You'll be ecstatic like me. Call 800 965 1433. 800 965
12: 1433. 800 965 1433. Optima Tax Relief Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com
2: John, you know for 23 years, Dr. Woodrow Kroll was the senior Bible teacher for a major radio ministry right here on Word FM.
3: Wow. And during all those years, he went to 112 countries conducting his ministry.
2: He says everywhere he went, he met pastors who were doing the best they could, but they had no formal Bible training at all. None. So, he says he promised God if ever he was in a position where he could help these untrained pastors, he
3: would. So, in 2013, his new ministry began with the Helios Projects. Helios is the Greek word for the sun.
2: He says God helped him take 50 years of Bible teaching experience, pack it into hundreds of sessions of audio teaching on what the Christian faith is all about, and then they put it on a USB drive on a sun-powered audio player. And next, they began providing all of this to untrained pastors in their own language.
3: Log on right now to wordfm.com to learn more.
0: Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24 7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. What do you
3: think? What do you think some of the top internet sites are? Amazon. Sure. Yeah. Um,
2: um, Probably sports. Insta- Instagram.
3: Instagram. TikTok, Instagram. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, sure. Facebook, of course.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I wonder what that means about us, right? The most visited sites have to have sort of an imprint of who we are as a country, right?
2: Yeah. And what we think is important.
3: Yeah. Chris Martin's back with us. Chris, a regular guest on our show, content and marketing editor at Moody Publishers, social media and marketing. He's also the author of Terms of Service, The Real Cost of Social Media. We'll talk about his latest release as well. But Chris, welcome back. How are you doing, friend?
8: I'm good. How are you guys?
3: We're good. Good.
2: Nice to hear from you again, Chris. It's been a while. Um, Okay, so do you know the uh, top websites on the internet?
17: Yeah, so I mean, you know, you could look at, there are like probably a hundred different sources of data you could find, you know, that might have slightly different top 10 lists. But I looked at a few recently because I saw a tweet that had a summary of the top 10 websites in the world and I went, I wanted to write about it. And so when I went back to find the tweet, the tweet was gone. So then I just found a few different top 10 lists and kind of uh, found the one that was the, had the most overlap, if you will. And um, so let me say first, this, this is not the definitive list okay. because depending on how you count and what sites you include or don't include, um, just based on genre, uh, there may be a few missing here that should be at the top. However, the top ten websites in the world I run through them very quickly are the following and this is the world, not just the US
5: okay
17: uh, one Google, two youtube, three Facebook, four Instagram, five Twitter, six, Baidu, which is a uh, Chinese search engine I believe Wikipedia is number seven, Yahoo is number eight, Yandex, which is a Russian search engine, is number nine, and WhatsApp is number ten so um what's funny is i heard you guys talking right before i got on uh amazon doesn't crack the top 10 really uh, how about that wild yeah Uh, so so google
2: wait hold on for a minute chris google youtube facebook what came after facebook instagram instagram got it okay Mm
17: -hmm. yep twitter after that so so really google and youtube are one and two uh and depending on how you categorize youtube some you know there's some way to say it's a search engine some people say it's a social media platform it's kind of a hybrid of both right um and but google uh alphabet owns both of those so one company has the two biggest websites in the world google and youtube and then meta has facebook and instagram at three and four and whatsapp at 10
5: hmm.
17: so two companies own five of the top 10 websites in the world which is kind of crazy that sounds,
2: that's kind of creepy right it.
17: Yeah. Yeah, and and the the other thing that's crazy is like in the list we really have the following. So we have four social media platforms if you don't include YouTube. Four search engines if you put YouTube as a search engine. One crowdsourced encyclopedia, which is Wikipedia, and one media site news site former search engine in Yahoo. What we don't have is there are no streaming services. Like Netflix isn't there, yeah. Hulu, pick your favorite streaming service, not on the top 10. And and Amazon. No and and no shopping around the world. No shopping. Alibaba, which is a huge, is like kind of like the Amazon of China, is not on the top 10. So I think it's really super interesting that four of the top 10, five if you count YouTube, are social media platforms. And even search engines, you could kind of say are social media because really, Those are just aggregating all the content people around the world create into one big site, you know?
3: Right. Okay, Chris, so knowing that you were on air today, and we're going to talk about this, I I was really struck by today's headline in the New York Times, which says this, in its first monopoly trial of modern Internet era, United States set sites on Google. So uh, a 10-week trial is about to get underway with uh, efforts to rein in big tech. I mean, Google estimated $1.7 trillion.
17: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane how massive these companies are. I, I'm not a lawyer, uh, though I sometimes wish I was, um, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I don't know what legal case the U.S. has against some of these companies. But I think there's a logical case against a lot of these companies. Um, anyone who kind of knows what's going on can kind of see the um, – the coagulation of power and influence at the top of the most visited websites in the world. And of course, a place like Google or Facebook could say, Hey, anybody can go out and make a search engine. Anybody can go out and make us a, a, a social media platform. There's, we're not squelching competition, but when you really start to dig into a lot of their practices and how they historically have operated by buying up anything that comes close, like Instagram, for instance, or YouTube, Google bought YouTube. They didn't just spin it up themselves. Um, all of these big, big, tech companies, website companies in particular, are known for snapping up buying anything that looks like it's close to competing. And so I do think all of us should just kind of be careful and and not, you know, I I care less about some sort of political agenda than I do about our like personal data and things that, you know, things that we can not really get back if that Pandora box, Pandora's box is opened. And so I think we should all just take care with what we're posting online and recognize that a lot of this data is running through some of the same channels and that we lose our handle on it when we share and post whatever it is we want to share and post.
3: Yeah. I mean, but for me, I mean, seriously, that ship has sailed so long ago, as far as my personal information. I mean, I'm just resigned to the fact that I'm owned.
17: Yeah. Yeah. I I understand that mentality. I, I totally get it. And I have a few friends who we go round and round on these things. And I think when it comes down, it comes down to like, what you want to try to take back or what you want to refuse to give up. For instance, like this is a conversation I have a lot around our, our daughter and we're about to have a second daughter in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, yeah, thanks. We, uh, we don't post any pictures of our daughter on the internet. Now in some sense it's like, Oh, well, of course. But then in other sense, like you can imagine we have some family members who are like, come on, really? Like everybody posts pictures of their kids to Facebook. You're going to deprive us of that. And so I think, you know, I think that, individual digital autonomy is really important. So like, I don't wanna post pictures of my daughter to the internet until she's old enough to say like, hey, yeah, you can post that picture. Because I've, se- I've just heard so many stories and seen so many instances of parents oversharing about their children to the point that it makes their kids, for instance, just really uncomfortable. And that's not me trying to shame parents who do that. But I think we need to not only think about our kids but think about what it- what is it doing to, their- to our children that we're sharing information, pictures or otherwise about them on the internet all the time yeah. are we are we opening the pandora's box for them before it really needs to be and so i think i think a lot of times more in regard to the future and what we do about young people than even what i do about myself or or anything
3: like right. that right but the the enticement is always there so so whether you know you allow children you know photos of your children on the internet at some point they're going to join you know probably TikTok or WhatsApp or, you know, be real. I mean, The tech companies find ways to make it alluring to get us sucked into this.
17: That's right. And that's why I think like digital media literacy is just so important that when, like I was growing up on social media when it was like first becoming a thing. And so no one, and my dad worked for IBM, a major tech company of the late nineties and early two thousands. And even he didn't have the wisdom to tell me like, hey, what you do and say and post on the internet is going to live there forever. Um, And I think we just need to be really good about educating our young people, children or young adults, about the permanence of what feels so impermanent and feels so transient. And so I think, I think, but frankly, I think a lot of us don't grasp that ourselves. And so I think it's less about, uh, it's not a zero sum game where it's like, oh, you lost the game if you posted a single picture of your kid to Facebook. No, that's like not a problem. But what is it? What, what becomes when we start finding our identity and how many likes our pictures of our kids get on Facebook? Or same thing when it gets to like, when, if we have teenagers who get on social media, like how can we educate them? Hey, it's okay to have an Instagram, but maybe you should be careful about like what you say in your Instagram direct messages or how many pictures you post of yourself and who could be viewing those. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a matter of wisdom, not you totally buy in or you don't post anything. I think it's a, a matter of just having wisdom in, in how you engage it, both for us and for our young people.
2: We're talking to Chris Martin. He's a content marketing editor at Moody Publishers. He's also an author. His book is called Terms of Service, The Real Cost of Social Media. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about this subject just the other day because I was uh, looking at one of my friend's Instagram accounts, and she recently had a baby, and um, she's she posted very – Graphic images of the birth and of, you know, the time after with the baby because, yes, because she is, you know, reveling in her, the newness of her being a mother. right And all I could think of was this kid, when he grows up, is going to have all of these pictures of him that are all over the Internet. Mm. And that like that i don't think she i don't think she's thought that far ahead
17: and that's and that's like there are stories coming out and i can't think of any off the top of my head i think i've read a couple in maybe new york times or even the atlantic um because we're it's getting to a point like we're for, we're far enough along in the social media landscape and life cycle now that there are teenage children who are have a warped sense of self and are like intensely embarrassed and have like body image issues and things like that sure. yeah because of how their childhoods were shared as children and because right. their parents weren't thinking about the effects it would have on them <laughs> when they get older. And so I think we just need to pay attention to these things and, and take care and recognize that our means of self-expression may not be worth the price our kids pay for it 10 yeah. or 20 years down the road.
3: That's really good. And Chris, I wonder, you know, as you said, you know, self-reflecting, you know, you uh,
17: an early
3: child of the internet. I wonder, you know, at some point, when you're 50 or 60 or you're 70, mm-hmm. you go, I am so exhausted by this. Yes. I am totally done with this. I'm going to strip all this stuff away and, you know, be a Luddite and, you know, disappear down a hole.
17: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm about, like I said, I'm about to have a second daughter here pretty soon. And uh, I'm pulling back from writing so much about social media as I have and doing a little bit more creative writing, fiction writing. I think, frankly, John, I think that time is approaching us very quickly. <laughs> okay, uh, and I, I think I'm. Yeah, you may see me deactivating my Twitter and some other things here in the near future and just taking, you know, an extended break, not because I think it's all evil or anything like that, sure. but because I, I kind of want to experience what would it be like to have a year without social media in my yeah. life? I haven't experienced that since I was like 12. So I think it would be really interesting to see that's that's 20 years ago. Um, You know, what would it be like to totally get rid of this stuff for a while and then and then go from there and see what it looks like to reintroduce a few things here and there. And and I think just always for all of us mediating and considering and weighing the effects that these things have on our lives is good. Not because they're all always bad, but because a lot of times they they have a you know, they cost something that we just don't realize.
3: Right.
2: Right. Remember the um, the baby on the Nirvana album?
3: Oh, sure yeah yeah that was a big
2: that yeah. was the first time I really thought about the fact that I mean, we've all seen that album cover a jillion times right. but they, that's the, but that's a
3: kid that's a person, and there was a story after that. I mean, that kid sued, yes, exactly right? of course he right. lost
17: in court,
2: yeah, but that's go that that's going to be repeated all over the place. Right. It has to be, Chris, you think?
17: Totally. Yeah, totally. I totally believe that. And I think there are extreme examples of this. Like we just had the mom who was arrested in Utah for abusing her kids for YouTube videos. So like she was a really Story. popular. Yeah. And and but like so that's an extreme version. But I think that kind of stuff in like really minor ways that isn't abuse, but is maybe uh, just like using children or using young people for content is happening all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I just think we we should be careful of it in our own hearts uh, for our own kids or, or even family members that I just think that. Uh, We need to be increasingly aware of how permanent online things are and whether we're taking a picture of a family member who is even an adult or whatever else, um, just considering these things and and how they may affect people down the road. So uh, just thoughtfulness is, is, I think, the key for all of us in this.
3: Very nice. Well, with that thought in mind, uh, tell us about your Substack page.
17: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's – that's the so I I've stopped writing in fact yesterday was my last newsletter through Substack kind oh, wow. of service. Okay. Uh for for a while I'm taking a long sabbatical. I'm going to go write some fiction and write I I'm actually proposing a children's book or two in the next couple of months. Fiction. So um so yeah, I'm taking a little bit of a break, but I'm always reading these things and I'm not stopping caring about social media. I'm just stopping writing about it a little bit. So That's I'll be good. happy to continue to talk with you guys and And see what's going on in the world of the internet.
3: Excellent. Well, good. So, Chris, the next time we speak to you, you will be a a new father once more.
17: That's right. That's right. Maybe on little sleep, and we'll see how it goes.
3: Well, that's really exciting.
2: Congratulations,
3: Chris.
17: Thank you. Thank you guys so much.
3: Our great pleasure. Chris Martin. uh, Okay, the Substack is gone, but uh, he's still out there as an author. You can find him on the internet easily. Uh, Terms of Service is the book, The Real Cost of Social Media. We'll take a, a quick break. Come back. You're movers. They know all and see all. Forget about the Internet.
9: Doing It Right Roofing Siding Remodeling. Family owned and operated since 1984 and home of the Lifetime Workmanship and Labor Warranty and No Money Down. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or visit RoofingContractorPittsburgh.com for details.
16: This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free. in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of our biblical faith heroes. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Join David Friedman and Mike Pompeo for a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. It's a close-up look at the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, it's Route 60, the biblical highway. Get tickets now at route60.movie. That's route60.movie. Hi, Rhett Rasmussen
14: of BestHotGrill.com. Step up your grilling game with our Solaire Portable Infrared Grills. Our compact everywhere is a favorite of RVers and trailer pullers. Solaire Infrared provides the quick sear for bar marks and texture needed to properly finish sous vide. Use a portable alongside your larger conventional grill to create an instant sear zone and more juicy and flavorful food. Learn more at BestHotGrill.com.
0: Affordable, powerful, portable infrared grills at BestHotGrill.com. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay,
16: so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into your retirement blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 To your retirement blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management LLC.
9: Roofing, siding, or remodeling. Seven two four new roof.
3: If anybody's used a moving company, odds are you've got a story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a very unregulated industry. I'll say (laughs) that, right? But there's a a piece in today's paper uh, about your movers that they see all, and they have thoughts on your relationship. Really? Yeah. So the the story is essentially... uh,
2: I never considered how much um, movers would... I mean, obviously it makes sense, but I just never considered it.
3: So there's a a guy who's in uh, Manhattan. His company's called Piece of Cake. And uh, he was helping a a couple who were splitting up, right? And so uh, the spouse uh, uh, told us... Uh, pack that and take the chair. And the other one standing next to him said, no, you cannot pack that and take the chair. He said, we were in the middle of a fight oh, for no. nine hours <gasps> as we were moving. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, they just decided not to split up and forget about everything. So they gave them a, a full refund of 2000 bucks for the day. <laughs> I mean, that's sure is generous, right?
2: So the moving company didn't charge them. Nope. Well, that's really nice.
3: Moving moving companies, they say, are like flies on the wall. And people don't hesitate to share their sense of you know, relationships, their petty grievances, and the weird stuff that they pack. Uh, an organized, well-packed apartment and a chaotic, filthy excuse for a move-out can both be reflections of a relationship. It also can be a telling when only one person is present. Mm-hmm. Once when he arrived, he said... Uh, To a house to move out a woman about five of her friends were there to help her pack the things in a very rushed process He said it it was obvious. They were sneaking her out while the husband was away We were asking what else should we take the television and she abruptly decided that we take the television and we started worrying that we were robbing the place Oh my gosh Mm -hmm. The guy, uh, Lou DeFabio, who's owners of Lou Moves You, said someone made a habit of requesting a move after a breakup but repeatedly canceled after making up with his partner. The third time it happened, uh, they actually showed up or turned away and offered some money for their time. When the person requested a move the fourth time, there would be a customer left uh, saying, you know what, we're not interested in moving you anymore. Get your relationship right. Movers say oftentimes they are like marriage counselors that it's so difficult and so stressful on moving day. Even in the best of times, of course, if a a couple is solid, there tends to be fighting in the process, especially when babies. I never considered that. Oh, my gosh. It is so stressful.
2: I remember being 29, 28 years old, moving uh, from one house into another. Yeah. And uh, we were moving from the north side into the North Hills. And my parents were there, my aunt and uncle were there, my cousin and some friends, and we were going to move all of our worldly belongings from the north side into the North Hills. In a U-Haul. In a U-Haul. Yeah. And we had to walk up out of the house <laughs> 28 steps to get to the U-Haul. Okay. So this was not for I'm, for the faint of heart. So,
3: or the uh, weak of heart.
2: Right. So this just tells you how, how immature I was. Like, I cannot believe I did this. So- uh, they showed up in the morning. All these people showed up to help, and I had not yet emptied the refrigerator. Oh
3: my gosh!
2: And the refrigerator was right by the door, so the refrigerator was going to have to be the first thing to leave. Were they hating you? My dad yeah. pulled me aside and said, "You cannot ask people to come here Thank and you. help you move and not have cleaned out your refrigerator." Yeah. No. I- when I look back, I think, how could I have done that? Yeah. Like, what would make me think that was okay? Like, how could I have gone to bed that night?
3: Thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm all together.
2: Right. Yeah. And, yeah. So, so, just one of those things that you look back on and think, holy heck, I'm not going to point the fingers at somebody Because I'm else.
3: six out of seven of the family, I helped so many of my brothers and sisters move. I mean, I could move in my sleep. There was a period of like 10 years where there pe- two or three people were moving a year, it felt like. <laughs> right. I was always moving. <laughs> So there's something to be said for that. But, you know, it is an unregulated it is. industry. It is. There are a lot of cowboys Wait out there. Wait till you
2: need somebody to move a piano for you. You oh want to talk gosh. about an unregulated oh, yeah, industry. Yeah. Holy cow. Anyway, after news and weather, uh, we'll be back at the top of the 5 o'clock hour to talk about what parents in Ireland are thinking and doing about their kids on smartphones. Much more to come. It's the Wednesday edition.
5: It's a ride home.
6: 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the word FM mobile app iHeart TuneIn and Odyssey in your health care.
0: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has arrived in Kiev on an unannounced visit hours after Russia launched its First missile attack in a week against the Ukrainian capital.
9: Blinken's trip aims to assess Ukraine's three-month-old counter-offensive and signal continued U.S. support for Kiev's efforts to drive out of the Kremlin's forces after 19 months of war. Some of Ukraine's Western allies have expressed concerns over the pace of the counter-offensive's progress. Washington officials say possible alternative export routes for Ukrainian grain will also be discussed following Russia's exit from the Black Sea Grain Initiative and its frequent bombardment of Ukraine port
0: facilities. I'm Charles De Ledesma. Stocks are sharply lower. The Dow is down 180 points. This is SRN News.
13: Hun, we need to stop putting off getting life insurance.
0: I know.
14: It's just been so busy. And I'm sure the cost is out of our budget.
13: Well, Jen told me that they got a $500,000 term life insurance policy from Ethos for less than $23 a month. All online with no complicated forms and no medical exam. All they had to do was answer a few health questions.
14: Wait, no medical exam and all online?
13: I know, right? It's not easy to think about, but if something happened to you, James and I would be...
14: Okay, I get it. Let's get a quote from Ethos right now. Wow, you were right. There's no medical exam, and Ethos makes the whole online process fast and easy. And look at these rates and coverage options. It's great
8: protection and totally fits our budget. Ethos. They've removed all the barriers from getting coverage. Go to CheckEthos.com to get your free online quote. That's CheckEthos.com. Quote based on a healthy, non-smoking 30-year-old male with a 20-year term policy. Rates may vary.
14: Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JD and Waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And... By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And J&D Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY.
3: J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY you have all helped support MyPillow and their employees in these tough economic times. Mike Lindell knows this and continues to give back to listeners with deals on his most popular products. Hey, it's John Hall. You've heard me recently speak about the My Slippers, the Giza Sheets, MyPillow 2.0, and more. And great news, the MyPillow six-pack bath towel sets are back in stock. The proprietary technology makes them extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Regular price of seventy nine ninety eight, and for a limited time, you can get this six-pack towel set for only $39.99 with promo code WORD. That's a 50% savings. So, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-391-0954. Use the promo code WORD to save 50% on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets. This is just $39.99 for a set. The deal will not last long. Enter promo code WORD for this special offer and many more.
15: Partly cloudy skies expected for tonight. It'll be warm with a thunderstorm, the nighttime low 69. Mostly cloudy and humid tomorrow with a thunderstorm in spots and a high of 81. A thunderstorm in spots tomorrow evening. Otherwise, partly to mostly cloudy skies, humid low 64. Mostly cloudy Friday and humid with a thunderstorm in parts of the area. Expect a high Friday of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
0: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
3: I remember uh, growing up, my mother read the book, How the Irish Saved Civilization. Hmm. Leon Uris, right? Mm-hmm. That was a big bestseller for a while. Yeah. It kicked around our house, you know, my, my aunts read it, my grandmother read it. Anyway, there's news today that Irish parents take action on smartphones there is a town uh, uh, sort of like a, I guess a, an area Greystones in County Wicklock and uh, the eight schools in this uh, association in the Greystone Wicklock area decided earlier this summer to restrict smartphone access for their children amid concerns of rising anxiety the agreement entered into jointly by all groups in a rare show of unity would see children restricted from phones at home, in school, and elsewhere until they reach end of junior high school.
2: Wow! Really? Mm-hmm. So the whole town is agreeing to this. Yep. Really? So no smartphones for kids until they're fif- what? Until they're fifteen?
3: Yep, fifteen or sixteen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Quote. Wow. I think the access the kids have the internet or the internet having access to our children. We don't know what's going on here. Uh, that the restrictions extend well through middle school and the beginning of high school. The brain is not developed for children. Their use of the phone is associated with anxiety, depression, obesity, sleeping disorders. Of course, we all know that here in the United States. We know it around the world. And the Minister of Health in Ireland, who lives in this school district, said, yes, we should enforce this ban throughout all of Ireland, and I will pose, uh, I will propose this in Parliament in our next... No session. way. Yeah.
2: Where are you reading from?
3: Uh, actually, this is from Fox News, mm-hmm. from Fox News Today.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, so a student. I just want to make sure I get the cutoff. Yeah. So or the entry point. Um, so when would students be able to get a phone?
3: End of junior high.
2: End of junior high. So mm-hmm. ninth grade. Yeah. Wow, Lexi, what do you think of that?
4: I love the idea of that.
3: I do too. But you're past the age, Lex. Right. If you were fourteen you'd go, This is unfair. If you know this is I'm a yeah. right.
4: But I also got a phone when I was way too young to have one. And
3: did it produce anxiety in you?
4: Oh, I would say so, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um I got a like a flip phone at like nine years old, but that was because I was in sports and I was in after school activities and my parents wanted a way to contact me. Sure. So I feel like if they are not because they said smartphones. They didn't just say, like, because flip phones, flip phone, you can right, right. Right, you would be just fine for play, the most
3: part. You're going to play Tetris on your flip phone. <laughs>
4: yeah, <laughs> I'll play this little snake game that goes through. Right, but right. Right. um I Yeah, I don't see. Especially because if the whole town is doing it, then kids around... The children will not know any better than, like, oh, like my friends don't have iPhones. Like, why would I have one? You right. know what I mean? I mean, that whole idea of
3: people that say, well, I need to stay in touch with my kid. Right. I mean... My mom didn't need to stay in touch with me.
2: No, I know, but it's different now. Oh, is it? I think it How is. is it I just, I feel like. Tell me. Well, it's. I need to
3: stay in touch. She's like, uh, you be home for dinner.
2: Right. And that was that. That was it? Yeah. But would you be comfortable never hearing from your kids for three months?
3: What do you mean for three months?
2: Well, kids your age, you know, 40 years ago prob- could not have checked in with their parents for three months.
3: Yeah. That's how it was,
2: but you would. But would you be comfortable with that?
3: Probably. I think if everybody else, if everybody else was doing it, well, if everybody else was doing it,
2: yeah. But that's a different. Yeah,
3: that's a different. I mean, uh, this. You know, we can't. This Pandora's box. We're not going back. Yeah, we can't go back. Right. This is. But I
2: do think that regulations around kids, when kids can get a smartphone, might. I mean, that could happen.
3: That will never happen here. You don't think? No, it's a freedom of speech issue. It's not going to happen. You can't block my access. To, to to what I want to watch or listen to, you just can't. Well, you can't drink until you're eighteen.
2: You can't vote until you're eighteen. It's a speech issue,
3: it's different. I think so. I, I can't imagine that would ever ever happen here in the United States. First of all, the the internet lobby groups, they're going to pour billions of dollars into making sure that doesn't happen. kidding me? Their most ferocious uh, users are kids, probably you know, ten through fifteen or ten through eighteen. I want to see it happen. Yeah, wouldn't it be? I really would it's want too to late. see it happen. Look, you know this, that, you know, the guys, Steve Jobs and all those guys, they, they didn't allow their kids to have smartphones no, right. because they knew. Right.
2: You know, I, I've shared this before, but having this conversation with my kids now who are in their 20s and their friends... um, they all say that they were the guinea pig generation. Of course. And the, when they have kids, they're not going to let their kids have phones when they're that young. Okay. Uh, will cool. be interesting to see.
3: Right. Because, you know. Lexi,
4: would you keep phones away from your kids? Oh, 100%. Would you? Mm-hmm. Until okay. they're what? Probably in their, uh, it, until they are able to make decisions, essentially, or like be more aware. Like Chris was talking about earlier in the uh, program. Um, where he's not going to post photos of his children until they are able to say, oh yeah, you can post that, Yeah, Yeah. go for it. Um, I think in the same vein of like, if kids understand the risks and are like super aware of the risks, um, I think once you can give them that and you can have a constructive conversation of like, hey, if you have this phone, here, there's going to be some rules. Here's what we're going to follow. If you break any of these, you lose these things. And you have to be super proactive about... Being and then the parents are the police,
3: word? right? That, you put yourself in the role of policeman at that point. So every little infraction, you're you know, engaged in this whole thing. Yeah, it's which be hard, a but, layer. but does,
4: yeah, but, it's that, a, but that's what...
3: Right? If you do that, I'm going to take the phone away. Yeah, I, no, but, I, but that's I'm, the way it's right, going to exactly. have to be, right? Oh, that's just really hard. Yes,
2: it is. That's really hard. Anyway, I'll be interested to see how things go in that Irish town. The
3: Irish saves and civilization. If, and if
2: there really is like a groundswell of people who say this is a really wonderful thing for my kids... I bet that spreads.
3: Wouldn't that be great? And the kids would be blissfully yes, ignorant of what, right. they, what they don't have to engage in. Good for in. them. Yeah, very much so.
2: Speaking of blissfully ignorant, no, not kidding. Of course, Dean Weaver's coming up love next. Love him. Yeah. Dean Weaver is going to talk to us about where we find our identity. And uh, we look forward to it. So we're glad you're along in oh. Washington, D.C. and Pittsburgh.
6: 101.5 WORD.
0: God's love for you is not a theory. God's love for you. It's not just an emotional feelings.
6: Dr. Michael Youssef.
9: God loves you, and his love for you and me is action. His love for us is sacrificial. It
6: cost him everything. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth on Leading the Way.
1: Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD.
0: Let's face it, talking about life insurance is never easy, but after we watched a close friend lose her husband with no insurance, we decided that wasn't going to happen to our family.
1: Yeah, but shopping for life insurance can be almost as difficult as talking about it.
0: But then we heard about Ethos Life Insurance. They're a new kind of life insurance built for people on a busy schedule who don't have time for unnecessary doctor's visits, fine print, or hidden fees. You know, who want to keep it simple.
1: I couldn't believe how easy it was. We answered a few basic questions and within minutes we had an estimate of what it would cost and what sort of policy made sense for us.
0: I never imagined a life insurance could be so affordable
1: and accessible.
0: The peace of mind knowing that our future is secure it just removes a lot of the fear around getting older and
1: yeah the unexpected.
0: I'm glad we talked about it.
8: I'm glad we went with ethoslife.com Go to GetEthos.com now for your free estimate. That's GetEthos.com. GetEthos.com. Oh, my papa, to me you are so wonderful. Oh my papa to me you are so good. Does that song bring back memories of days gone by and sage folks in our lives? Hi this is Marcia from the Spring House and we love remembering the olden days. We also love honoring these dear folks in our lives at the upcoming Grandparents Day ham and turkey dinner at the Spring House. It's the second Sunday in September and we'll be featuring our own hickory smoked ham, roast turkey, real mashed potatoes and all the fixings. In our family my mom and dad are so great at making each of their 19 grandchildren feel like the favorite Do you know some special folks like that that you'd love to honor? Bring them to the Springhouse Country Store and Dairy Farm for good old-fashioned eating Check
2: out springhousemarket.com for more details or give us a call at
13: 724-228-3339 Looking forward to seeing you at the Springhouse at 84 PA Summer
1: is almost over and so are the savings at Bachman's Roofing. Take advantage of the summer savings bonanza with no interest and no payments until 2020 25 now is the perfect time to check off those home improvement projects cracked or missing roof shingles Bachman's has got you covered looking to add solar Bachman's has you covered time to upgrade that cracked siding Bachman's has got your back call Bachman's today to schedule your free estimate at 4124727103 or visit gobachmans.com it's a lot of
18: talk.
2: There's a lot of talk about identity.
3: The fluidity of it all?
2: Well, yeah. And I just, I I never, um, I don't know. It's funny how things trend. How, you know, it used to be in pre-internet days that clothes were trendy and music was trendy. Um, Styles. Right. But now ideas are trendy. And I'm sure that was always the case. But it certainly happens at a much faster pace now. Um, and the idea of identity is a trendy idea. Mm-hmm. And it's something that that gets a lot of conversation and social.
3: Dean Weaver's back with us. Dean is a regular guest on our show. He is the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, the EPC, here today to talk to us about our identity in Christ. Hey, Dean.
19: Hey guys. I self identify as John and Kathy fans.
2: Nuts.
3: <laughs> kind yeah, that's of you. what we want to hear. Thank you.
5: Uh,
2: what about identity? You think you know were, were people talking to you as a pastor in like a counseling capacity about identity, you know, a couple decades ago?
19: No, I mean the, the idea of identity is actually a relatively new concept, uh, at least the way we're talking about it today. Um, and I It it really goes to something, Kathy, you were saying uh, in the opening to this, which is um, that Mark Sayers talks a lot about um, the demonic actually occupying worldviews and ideas as a primary way in which spiritual attacks are occurring today. It doesn't mean that um, the the enemy doesn't act in other ways, but the the principalities and powers and the, the kind of attack that's occurring is principally an attack of ideas, uh, so much so that, um, you know, even Christians, uh, if you look at, like, early uh, Romans, um, have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We buy into a lot of ideas that are out there kind of in the uh, pop, you know, the more general soup of our culture, without ever kind of measuring those ideas against Scripture to saying, is that really true? Um, and, And it sort of just, we assume those things without ever really kind of questioning or challenging those things. Yeah. And I think the idea that we get to choose our identity is a relatively new concept that should be challenged because it's just, quite frankly, not biblical.
3: Yes. So then when people say, you know, in their Christianese, my identity is in Christ,
19: Dean.
2: Yeah, what does that mean?
3: Yeah.
19: Well, I think what people mean when they say that is that Christ is, um, all of who I understand that I am is in Christ. I, I think, honestly, um, it would be cleaner, better, more biblical to say, um, I am in Christ. And, and and you know, uh, Paul says, what is it, um, in Second Corinthians 5-7, uh, he says, uh, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, behold, the new have come. And so there's this sense to which we are in Christ, and it's it's not just that he is kind of tweaking our identity, it's that it, it's really now his Holy Spirit living through us. So Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I, I think, you know, in some sense, to say my identity is in Christ, I think people are well-intended, and I think they're pointing in the right direction. I just think it's more biblically accurate to say, well, no, you're in Christ, and any kind of uh, way in which you might be identified uh, would always be through uh, your life in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not just that I identify as a Christian. That still puts me at a place of idolatry where I'm choosing uh, rather than God having chosen me. I'm still in the driver's seat there. Um, and so I think the question of identity really is kind of has an egocentric quality to it. Like, I. And who I am, as opposed to saying, "Well, the Bible actually teaches I'm, I'm made in the image of God." Um, it actually teaches that my understanding of myself is is corrupted by the fall and fallen. But when when Christ has uh, revealed Himself to me and I, I I step into that relationship with Him, I'm a whole new creation. Which means, you know, it's really not up to me to say what my identity is or what I identify as. Those are more human markers that kind of uh, promote human control of human self, as opposed to this idea of dying to self and and being found fully in Christ. So I think better language would be to say, I am in Christ.
3: Mm-hmm. In Christ. Whenever I hear this, Dean, I, I often think of Thomas Akempis, uh, imitation mm-hmm. of Christ. In, in some ways, that feels a little more clear to me in a way. What do you think?
19: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean, I'm mean i not a, a, a Thomas Akempis scholar or anything like that, but I, I think he's, he's pointing us to the direction that who we are to be as image bearers of Christ in this world is to be a reflection of him, is to be an imitation of him. And that's how we think, it's how we act, it's our affections, it's the whole order of our being is is should be a reflection of Christ because it's Christ living in us. So when people see us, they should see Christ, and they shouldn't see me trying to be like Christ. The, 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 the you know, A Kempis's uh, language is a little old for yeah. this, the modern ear. So the sounding of imitation of Christ sounds like, well, I'm just, it's still on me to imitate Him, right? I'm, that's I'm right. trying to imitate Jesus, and I don't think that's really what A was saying. He was trying to say the life of Christ in you is such that when people see you, they ought to see the life of Christ, and I think that's right. That's
2: good. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dean Weaver is with us, stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, also co-founder and former president of an organization we like a lot called EduNations, which we'll uh, give a little plug to before we're done with our segment. Um, so uh, I think um, – is ide- here's the question that comes to my mind often when I think about identity, um, is that does it have to do with – how much, uh, with the amount of time and attention that I put into something. So, um, if I, you know, just reading about, we have, uh, two Americans, uh, for the first time in I don't know how long who are, uh, really performing well at the U.S. Open, uh, in Flushing Meadow, New York. So these are kids who've been playing tennis probably since they were three years old. Right. So their identity has been formed by being a tennis player because they've invested a thousand hours in being, you know, th- not thousand. a thousand thousands of hours in being a tennis player. Um, so if we, you know, if, if following Jesus is something that just occurs to us every once in a while or something we just contact every Sunday, I don't, I'm wondering if that's enough time to really consider it for that to even figure into our identity.
19: that's a great point, Kathy. It really is. And I, the the idea that you form and an identity you you accept or form an identity around what you do such as playing tennis or uh, for the average person just their job And and i struggled with this after 36 years of being pastor when i stepped into my new role i had some grieving and some and some loss that took place because i i didn't realize how much my identity was it being a pastor um and and that's not something i was consciously trying to do it's just We can easily be formed and shaped by the things that are at the the center of our lives. And when your work is at the center of your life, your play is at the center of your life, those are all good things, but they can form and shape you in such a way so that you you end up understanding yourself in terms of what you do. But at the end of the day, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And our being is supposed to be in Christ, and out of that we do things that are of Christ. Right. So a person can be in Christ and out of that flows a fantastic tennis player or a a radio talk host or a CEO of an organization or whatever it might be. But those things don't define us in the sense of that's how we understand our identity or or who we are so that it forms and shapes our thinking about ourselves in the deepest and most profound ways. And so it, it but that goes all the way back to Genesis, guys. I mean, you know, in the garden. After wanting to be wise, the, the curse that's placed on Adam is that, you know, he is going to basically have a problem with his work. And the, and the curse that's placed on Eve is she's going to have a problem with the relationships that are the closest to her. And those are the things that give us identities. I mean, many people, many folks who are listening to you today uh, have their identity around raising their children, for example. And then when their children are gone, this part of them is just stripped away and they don't know who they are anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the things that we love and are the closest to us form us and shape us in such a way that we, we have a difficult time understanding ourselves apart from them. And the only place where that's supposed to occur for us is when Christ is at the very heart and closeness to us, because he never leaves us, never fires us. He never loses the final match in the open. Uh, He is always constantly for us, with us, in us, through us. And so that core of who we are is never shaken. Even for me, after 36 years being a pastor no longer, I was shaken. And I realized, oh, my gosh, my identity has been in what I do, not who I am. And who I am is in Christ. And when Christ is my sufficiency— then the question of identity doesn't really come up because I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about the life of Christ in me and how he's living through me. Yeah.
3: So, Dean, if people are listening and some people are not believers and they hear that my identity is in Christ, if I would find the heart of the gospel to find my identity in Christ, is that the Beatitudes? Is that where?
19: Well, I mean, I think um, uh, that's a great question, John. I mean, I, I do think the passage that I spoke to earlier, um, the Second Corinthians 5 passage, points you to what does it mean, then, that you would be a new creation? Mm. And of course, you can go back and look into Paul's writings and, and talk about how one becomes a new creation, and, and, and all throughout the Bible, there are, are things that point us to what it means to have a life in Christ, what it is to... Con- confess our sins and to have uh, Jesus living and reigning inside of us, and you know I don't think it's formulaic. I don't think it's just a matter of simply, you know, saying the right prayer. Although you know we certainly should speak to God and ask Him uh, that He would reveal Himself to us in that way. And I think even the most humble prayer, where a person says, "Look, I've let other things form and shape my understanding of myself, and I'm just constantly rocked." I mean. The, the, the idea of identity and fluidity today is such that we have such a rise in um, behavioral uh, illnesses and maladies because there's no sense of being settled in who you are anymore. You, you, you're this, then you're this, then you're this, then you're this. And the worst thing is you're the one choosing it. So it's it's always this pressure to change or to adapt or to pivot constantly. And the reality is that's not just happening for the younger generation, that's happening for all of us. You know, when we lose a job, when we retire, when we move, when we, you know, kids go to school, whatever it might be, we're constantly doing that. And at the end of the day, a simple prayer to say, God, show me who you've made me to be Reveal to me in your word, what it means to be, uh, have a life in Christ, Uh, that kind of simple prayer. I trust God will honor. And, and then my first take would be just start reading about Jesus in the Gospels and realize that what you're called is not so much even to be a Christian, yeah. you're called to be a disciple. And I think what it means to be a disciple is back to that Thomas a. Kempis thing, John. You're called to be a little Christ. Mm-hmm. You're called to take on his manner of teaching, that is how he thinks and understands reality, and you're called to take on his life, that is how he behaved in this world. And that means we're supposed to think like him and we're supposed to act like him. And the best way to see that is in reading the Gospels.
3: Amen.
2: Dean, you got about 30 seconds. Can you tell us about Engineations?
19: Oh my goodness, Kathy, we're um, we're at 16 schools now, 3,700 students, wow. we just graduated after after 17 years, we just graduated our first class of senior secondary students um, which is a milestone for us, unbelievable. And the concert this year at uh, Memorial Park Church is going to be Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Mm. Um, so we're pretty excited about them coming. And um, if you want to learn more about how to make a difference, I mean, we're talking uh, great use of your resources for kingdom purposes in all Muslim areas where we're in an openly and, and uh, unavowedly Chris- Christian school um edunations.org is a great place to go we'd love to have you check us out um good stuff for the gospel and one of the toughest places on the planet making a huge difference outstanding
3: dean we love you you're excellent in many ways thank you so much
19: Thanks, guys. Always love being with you.
3: Always our pleasure. Truly it is. Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, co-founder, former president of EduNations. Hey, that's so cool. They do this thing every year. They bring in, you know, top-named Christian acts. Phillips, Craig, and Dean, you show up. It's free. And then there's a free will offering. Don't miss this and support EduNations. We'll take a, a quick break. Our daily feature, does this make sense? It's next. The truth is that our college years are really pivotal, and it's a time to discover and to cultivate, and if you're so inclined, to see where God leads you. And that's why we're excited always to talk about Grove City College.
2: I think back to being an undergrad myself, and early on, I mean, I wanted to get a job, but I wanted to get uh, good grades. And then somehow during, you know, in the middle of my freshman year, I started thinking, why do I want to like what's the what's the oh, of course I want to make my parents happy. But you're in college, maybe your parents don't care as much about your grades at that point. Is that really enough motivation is that I just want to have no. a 4.0 or whatever is that? Not me?
3: grades only.
2: I I don't think it can be. I know that a lot of people look at college that way and think well if I get the grades then I get the job. But the thing I love about Grove City is that it puts learning in a larger context. Yeah. So it's great to get good grades and it's very important to get a job. But what about curiosity sparking curiosity in your student that makes you want to dig deeper into a subject maybe it's not even your major but something that helps you to appreciate god's creation and just what has been established on earth for the purposes of praising him or knowing him better
3: i know that's the truth of grove city college to know who god is to know who you are meant to be to pursue your purpose and joy gcc.edu
1: Junction Center Productions presents Colton Dixon and Jordan Feliz Love and Light Tour. November 19th, Greensburg, Pennsylvania at Word of Life Church. Colton Dixon and Jordan Feliz Love and Light Tour. Sponsored by Compassion International. One night, two artists, all your favorite songs. Get your tickets at
2: JunctionCenterProductions.com.
1: I'll
12: be my, 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 my life. At Chilled
2: to Perfection in Oakmont, you can look perfect at any age. Safe, fast, and completely non-invasive. Chilled to Perfection is your all-natural way to target stubborn body fat, age spots, cellulite, acne, hair loss, and more. For a limited time, get a cryoskin skin treatment in the area of your choice, plus cryofacial for just 249 dollars Defy your age at Chilled to Perfection, where your results are their business. Visit Chilled to PerfectionPGH.com today.
6: Listen on your smart speaker at WordFM.com. The WordFM app, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home too, at 101.5 W-O-R-D-F-M Pittsburgh.
4: People been saying to your friend, get a different face. And posting on their feed, they're super ugly. The things they say to them online are cruel and they're not true.
6: someone being bullied online you can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org brought to you by the ad council
15: Partly cloudy skies expected for tonight. It'll be warm with a thunderstorm, the nighttime low 69. Mostly cloudy and humid tomorrow with a thunderstorm in spots and a high of 81. A thunderstorm in spots tomorrow evening. Otherwise, partly to mostly cloudy skies, humid low 64. Mostly cloudy Friday and humid with a thunderstorm in parts of the area. Expect a high Friday of 79. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
3: Sense, yeah, what does what make sense?
2: Salad bar,
3: oh, that's a tough one. I have not had a salad bar since the pandemic, uh huh. But they're out, you know, you go to Eaton Park, yep, the salad bar, yes. I'm not a big fan of the salad
5: bar, mm-hmm.
3: why I, is I, that? I'm not sure why, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I there's just some, <laughs> something about the trough,
18: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh huh.
3: I mean, well intentioned and lots of variety. I mean, who am I to snub my nose at the salad bar? Right. Right. I mean, but it's not. I'm not going there. You're not. Mm-mm.
2: And so you're saying it doesn't make sense to you.
3: Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Okay. To me. Does it make sense to you? No, I wish it did. Oh, oh.
2: I wish it did because you know I enjoy a salad, but when I when I go to a salad bar anywhere, and I don't think I've been to one since before COVID either, or since COVID hit, but. It, was, it seems to me that you're always going up to get the least fresh salad fixings for your salad.
3: Well, you know there's like lots of turnover, right? I don't think it's stale.
2: I. It just seems every salad bar... I mean, I used to go to salad bar at Pizza Hut a lot. <laughs> now, yeah, first of all, I don't think there's a lot of exactly nutrition there. But also, I just felt... I, Plus, you know, there's a lot of hands and breathing and a sneeze here and there and, you know, an assorted cough. And I feel like maybe it just doesn't make sense.
3: But that happens back in the kitchen when you order a salad. Right? You're
2: right. But it's what I... It's
3: what you perceive.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and right. I'm perceiving that. It's, and so I feel like it doesn't make sense. Yeah,
3: it doesn't make sense for me. All right. Does this make sense? The car cell phone holder.
18: Oh, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, John, I would say that it absolutely makes sense, except that I've never found one that really works.
3: Me too. I've gone through several. So I want it
2: to make sense, but it currently doesn't.
3: They always break. More than anything, it's a distraction. Mine
2: falls off. I I have one that that fastens onto the Mm rearview mirror. It's a mess. My phone
3: just sits next to me. Or it sits in the yeah. cup holder.
2: But and when I, but when you're trying to follow your GPS going somewhere mm-hmm. you don't know, it's bad to be looking down like that.
3: It's just bad to be distracted by the phone. And to me, the, the cell phone holder puts it like front and center and it's like more of a tease than anything. Hey, yeah, look but, at me, look at me, well, look at the, me.
2: Yeah, but the only reason I have it there is if I'm following GPS, then I can just follow where I'm going. Yeah. You it doesn't make, it sense, doesn't to make you. sense to It doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's current incarnation. It doesn't make sense to right. me
18: either because
2: I can't find one I like.
3: All right, we hate to be a downer, but...
2: Right, I don't think either one of these things makes sense. Yeah, the
3: uh, salad bar, the cell phone holder. I mean, for some people, they make sense, but I think I for today... I
2: don't think we got to say no. 101.5
9: WORD. Two things that hit a family budget the hardest. The price of gas and of groceries. Let us ease that pain at the pump when you enter the
8: $18,000 Gas and Groceries Giveaway.
9: The grand prize winner gets $10,000 in gift cards for gas and groceries. Three first prize winners each get $1,000 gift cards. And ten second prize winners will get $500 gift cards for gas and groceries. That's $18,000 total.
1: Sign up to win now at wordfm.com slash contests.
20: Donald Trump's indictment proves that saving America is not going to be easy. There are entrenched powers that are fighting this with everything they've got. They want to keep control over the country, the narrative, and the nation's money supply. Hi, I'm Lance Wall now. I'm a news analyst, a Christian author, and evangelical leader. I speak to millions of people every week, people just like you. You see, what the elites are doing is using inflation and government handouts and now central bank digital currencies to determine how they're going to control America. And that's why I recommend all Christians start a gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group, because physical precious metals are one of the few ways you can maintain control over your own savings. To get a free info kit on gold IRAs, text the word FAITH to 989898. Birch Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Get their free info kit and you'll see why a gold IRA can help you. There are no strings attached. Text the word FAITH to 989898. And you're going to be blessed by taking action right now.
11: This is a special notice to all U.S. taxpayers with back taxes to the IRS. Billions in tax relief is now being made available to struggling taxpayers, giving thousands, even tens of thousands of dollars in savings away to those who qualify. If you're facing wage garnishment, threatening letters, audits, liens, levies, or already in a payment plan, you can now expedite the resolution to your tax problem and collections, and even qualify to reduce a large portion of what you owe. Stop IRS Debt has established a relief hotline for you to call to check what savings and options you qualify for. Dial 800-759-3413. With many people facing job loss and rising cost of living, these special IRS initiatives are designed to aid delinquent taxpayers with the relief that they need to get a fresh start. For a free consultation to see what savings you qualify for, call 800-759-3413. 800-759-3413. 800-759-3413.
2: We're waiting to connect with Frederica Matthews Green, who uh, I was going to say she's an accomplished author, writer, but I mean that's kind of an understatement. Frederica's written for pretty much every major news source you can imagine over the years. Hey, what about
3: speaking of Christian authors? What about the woman, um, the Jesus uh, Prayer? Prayer. Yeah. She passed away. Is that Monk, Kid? I'm Mm. sorry, I should know that, but you know, here I am bringing it up, and I know nothing about it. Yeah. Shocking. Really? It's a
2: surprise, John. (laughs)
3: Forgive me. Uh, yeah, uh, that, I think she sold 50 million copies or more of that book. Yeah,
2: Jesus Calling is the name of the book. That's yes, the one you're talking yes, about, right? Yeah,
3: thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, let's see.
3: Yeah, 77. Oh, no, you. it
2: wasn't Sumon Kid. It's Sarah Young.
3: Sarah Young uh, from Australia. She was a, yeah. a, a child of missionary parents. and uh, uh, she p- People have a problem with that book. Do you have a well, with that
2: book? no I mean I think it has its place I I spent a lot of time in that book did you when uh, my dad was dying yeah I spent yeah. a lot of time in that book I I feel like it's not the only book no of course that not. someone should read no no it's, no. Th- it's not like it's, it's just su- a tool. It's, it's not like it sums up the gospel in all of its forms it doesn't do that No. but I think it has a very particular uh place in that it can, uh, when someone is either learning about Jesus for the first time or really seeking to connect. um, And that's what Jesus Calling, I think, really does. Someone who really wants to connect with Christ and just either that's outside of their practice or it just, they don't get Jesus and it feels very formulaic or Jesus seems like, a you know, a plain old historical figure or there's just no uh, relationship to be found.
3: I think that that book can really help. My um, wife loves that book. Yeah. It doesn't speak to me.
2: Yeah, I understand I've that. I've
3: tried to yeah. connect with it more than several times. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with the theology of it. I do not believe it's, you know, Jesus, someone's channeling Jesus or something like that. Hmm. It did receive a lot of criticism.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, book receives a lot well, of course criticism. It did, right? I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't make you know, you shouldn't look at things critically, but I for sure think that there's something about looking at something too critically. Yep.
3: Frederica Matthews Green is with us. She is the author of speaking of books several books we love. Uh foremost, The Jesus Prayer, the ancient desert prayer that tunes the heart to God. But uh, Frederica, welcome back. How are you today? <laughs>
18: Hi, John. Good to be with you and Kathy today.
3: Always a pleasure, Frederica. Now listen, this is not a pick-me-up subject you're talking about today, is it?
18: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I'm I'm talking about the fear of death, which almost everybody has. And um, not too long ago, it really hit me, and I thought, well, I want to do a Bible study on what happens after you die. And I did a lot of thinking about it and put up a a YouTube video. So perhaps I can find a little bit of lightness in it.
3: Good. I mean, for myself, and I think for a lot of people, it's not death necessarily that scares me. It's going through the process. I don't look forward to pain.
18: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's something I have I've thought about a lot over the years. And um, I, when you picture somebody dying on the battlefield or being tortured as a martyr or something, yes. I, I realize I always thought of it as like the pain gets worse and worse and worse, and then you die. Yeah. But but it isn't like that. It would be how it would be if the pain gets worse and worse and worse and then it stops hurting. And then you look around and you're in an entirely different place. And then you see the Lord Jesus. and Whatever's going on with your body on the earth, you're not there anymore. You're there in a place of great joy. So, um, Hopefully none of us will have to go through pain at death, but it's comforting to think that the end of that story is not, you die, (laughs) the end of that story is, you're with the Lord. Amen. Mm -hmm. But it is true,
3: right? I mean, uh, most people who are living today certainly fear death.
18: Yes, yes, I think that's really true. And what triggered this for me is that my husband and I actually had a woodworker make coffins for us.
3: Wow, wow.
18: Yeah, and they're beautiful, but once you have them, what do you do with them? Right. <laughs> Are they in your garage? <laughs> yeah, they're in the basement. Wow. And I don't have to go in the basement very often, but I was down there once, and as I looked at them, I thought, gosh, I'm going to be inside that one day. That's so cool. And that lid is just going to be right in front of my nose. And it was a very scary and distressing thought.
3: Yeah, is it a pine and- box,
18: Frederica? Um, I think it's not pine. I think it's, it's birch. It's one of the white woods, maybe poplar, something like that. And, um, he's lettered an Orthodox prayer all the way oh, around it. Beautiful. Have it's, you laid in it? exactly. Yeah,
3: Have you laid down? You
18: know, (laughs) I lay down next to it. I wanted to try it on for size without actually (laughs) getting inside it.
3: (laughs) Well, it's not in the basement, so maybe you could store vegetables in it or something, right? Potatoes.
18: (laughs) true. And I've sure heard of people putting in shelves and using it as a bookcase. (laughs) So, you know, there are more cheerful things you can do with it.
3: Yeah. Well, but just the fact I, that you've not made, I mean, if, you, if you're making your own coffin, maybe your fear of death is not off the charts.
18: Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, it's my husband was a pastor. And so we dealt with parishioners dying from time to time. Sure. And often somebody would say, oh, I wish I'd gotten just a plain wooden coffin. And we would give them one of ours. And then we would buy a replacement. So that that kind of got us in thinking about you need to be prepared when this happens and not be one of those people who has to borrow somebody else's coffee.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Frederica Matthews Green is with us. She's the author of a book called the Jesus prayer, the ancient desert prayer that tunes the heart to God. Um, Frederica, what I wonder about walking through that kind of process with your family. Mm. You know, when I was growing up, um Hebrews uh 2 was very important to me as a young kid as a as a little girl because um my I I knew and I don't even know how I knew this but it was mm-hmm. very evident to the t- tiny little me that my dad was very afraid to die. Now oh. my dad wasn't sick um at that mm-hmm. time but I just knew that about him. And maybe it was an instinctive thing. Um, But Mm -hmm. I was really uh, touched and I I really held on to the hope of Jesus that Mm -hmm. um, that Hebrews 2 talks about, which is that, you know, he's he he sets free people who all their life have been held captive by their fear of death. Yes, so true. Um, And of course, I I saw that John and I both Mm -hmm. saw it in the life of my dad, like he was. He was set free from that um, before he okay. died. So, so, but anyway, how do you, like, I wonder how, is that something that you think of? Is that something that you've talked to your kids about?
18: My kids are all in their forties now, so they're not really kids. And um, two of them are pastors and one's a, a subdeacon. So um, it is something we've talked about, but mostly it's the, it's the effect of being an Orthodox Christian and having so many references to the resurrection in our worship and um, verses that are, are um, songs, hymns that are just teaching you how to think about death and how to approach it. Um, it's, it's like the, this whole world is corrupt and in the grip of death and the evil one because of our sins. And it's like everybody through all eternity, everybody sins and everybody dies. Mm-hmm. and it is that fear of dying that makes people desperately cling to pleasures or other parts of life it spurs that desperation yeah. and only jesus can take that away i'm so glad that worked out for your dad though probably by your prayers
5: mm. the
2: goodness um, the goodness of god oh amen um yeah. Frederica, talk about I'm going to change subject for just a minute. Um, For people who uh, heard you say, well, you know, our Orthodox faith, you know, talks about the resurrection very often. Um, For people who wonder what the term Orthodox means, can you be, you know, kind of go back to the basics and talk to our listeners who maybe have never heard that term and don't know what the heck kind of church it is?
18: Right, 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 and it's not Orthodox Judaism, which some people assume. You know, way back at the beginning, in the first and the second century, when the Church was just starting, there was an original community, the body of Christ, the apostles who were going out as evangelists, and that original community based in Jerusalem, and then spreading up to Antioch and from there, um, that's the Church that the Orthodox Church still is. Uh, the Church of the Middle East, the Church of the East, the Church of uh, South, of the southern part of India, and in Egypt and Ethiopia, the, that's the Orthodox Church. The Roman Catholic Church is sort of a European church. Hmm. So they were one until you know, about the 11th century and then had some disputes over the power of the Pope and whether he could change uh, prayer and make everybody say it his way. And that was where the split came from. The Orthodox Church is the continuing part of the Church that was mostly geographically in the East. Hmm.
3: And so the tenets of the faith? Um mm-hmm. I mean...
18: Or the practice of we
3: them. would recognize them, of course. If you know you're a, a Presbyterian, if you're a Catholic, I mean, uh, similar but not quite.
18: Yes, yes. I I think one of the big differences, and um, this would be my my little book, my recent book, Two Views of the Cross. Probably the big difference theologically is that Orthodox believe that God the Father forgives our sins for free; He doesn't need to be paid. Jesus didn't pay the the Father the debt for our sins. Jesus died on the cross because (laughs) because death is the wages of sin, and it was the way to go into death. He had to become a human being and go through death, however horrible the, the evil one wanted to make it, in order to go into the kingdom of death and break it open and set the righteous free. And so now we're all invited into resurrection life because because the work that jesus did the parallel is um really to the 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 red sea you know that god redeemed his people with by his mighty arm and so that's what we see redemption is like it's jesus by his mighty arm setting us free from a situation we've gotten ourselves into by our sins Mm -hmm. and could never get out and so freedom is a gift it's God's gift to us. It doesn't have
3: to be paid for. Excellent. Well, I'll certainly buy that, right? That's orthodox very much.
18: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Frederica. Good to talk to you. Yeah, Thanks. that's
3: good for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you
18: too. And
3: Frederica, right. to be honest, I I won't think of you again without thinking of your coffin in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Frederica. <laughs>
2: oh, check out Frederica's book, Welcome to the Orthodox Church, an introduction to Eastern Christianity. All right. Uh, After we uh, step away, a certain country has been uh, named number one in the world. Number one. You think it's us?
14: It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and I'm here today with my nieces.
4: To do a commercial specifically for anyone who is self-employed.
14: Which we understand is only a small percentage of you.
10: So to make sure we're not leaving everyone else out, here's a joke. To tied you over. I
14: can't believe we're doing this.
10: So why couldn't the pony
4: sing a lullaby? Because she was a little horse. Get it? Pony, little horse, and <laughs> horse. I'm pretty sure they got it. Horse. So now back to you who are self-employed.
14: For the two decades I've been doing mortgages, it's always been quite a bit tougher for those self-employed to get qualified for a mortgage. But today, we believe we're changing that with a brand new program that now allows us to qualify you based off your bank statements, not based on your tax returns or end income. Altogether, we really think this new program is going to be a game changer for anyone who is self-employed.
4: We are United Faith Mortgage.
16: United Mortgage Corp. Melbourne, New York. And I'm listening 1330. Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672.
21: Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You can save a lot of money. Whether it's just for you or for an entire family, MediShare has an option for you. In fact, Very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE.
2: Just because time marches on doesn't mean your skin has to. Chilled to Perfection in Oakmont helps you turn back the clock with Smooth Glow, the revolutionary age-defying non-surgical solution to sagging skin, sunspots, and fine lines. You'll see immediate, long-lasting improvements in as little as one 45-minute treatment. Get the celebrity sought-after look without injectables. Defy your age at Chill to Perfection, where your results are their business. Visit Chill to Perfection PGH.com.
8: This is Tim Seckler, inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life & Legacy show, you will find it archived at secklerlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life & Legacy show.
3: Friday marks the one-year anniversary of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. And to commemorate that passing... This past Sunday, uh, more than 50 royal fans and their pet corgis gathered to walk outside um, Buckingham Palace to commemorate the Queen's passing. Corgis were the late Queen's constant companion. Since she was a child, she owned around 30 in her lifetime. (laughs) Generations of the dogs descended from the corgi named Susan, a corgi that was given to the Queen on her 18th birthday. Uh, Agatha Gilbert, it's a very British name, Mm -hmm. says, quote, I can't see a better way to remember her than through her Corgis, through that breed that she loved and cherished throughout uh, her life. You know, I still can't get used to the fact that she is not here. I hope the Corgi uh, tradition continues forever. Mm -hmm.
2: The silliest, sweetest dogs. I love them so much. I know you had one for many years.
3: Good Gus. Super smart. And uh, oh,
2: Very, very good boy.
3: Very good boys, indeed. Very yeah. good boy. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, okay, while we're speaking of things across the pond, um, the annual rankings by U.S. News & World Report came out. Um, it's a survey of something like seventeen, eighteen thousand 18,000 people. Uh, they assess uh, population growth, GDP, safety, uh, openness for business, and they rank the best countries in the world. The best countries? Who, I know who does this. I mean, this is U.S. News and World Report. Okay, they so, do this every year.
3: So bragging rights to the best country in the world. Yes. How many countries do they do they brag? Uh, uh
2: Well, many. Okay. Um, is there I, a top ten list? I I do have a top ten list. Okay, sure. Would you like for me to start with number yeah, start ten? with number 10, John? John. Number 10, is that ten Would that be uh, the Netherlands, <laughs> uh, situate situated along the fringes of Western Europe? Um, the Netherlands is uh, a country I just visited a couple years ago, Ooh. and it's really lovely. a lovely mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. It is a lovely lovely place. But number 10? Number 10. Number 9 is the UK. Okay. Uh, number 8 is New Zealand.
3: Oh, I'd love to go to New Zealand. So would I. Yeah.
2: Coming up at number 7 is Germany. Mm,
18: the Germans.
2: Uh, that's a place I never wanted to go. Yeah. had zero interest in ever going there. But? When I got there, I thought oh my gosh. Really? It that's is beautiful. so beautiful. Yeah. Number 6, Japan uh uh-huh. Number five. Three cheers for the red, white, and blue.
3: USA. USA, USA is nice. number
2: five. Number five? Yes.
3: You would expect us to be number one.
2: Uh, you would, right? Yeah, but we're not. Okay. Okay. Number four is Australia. Hmm. Number three is Sweden.
3: The Sweden.
2: I okay. Uh number two is Canada. And really? And I am just going to raise a little bit of a complaint there. Now
3: you've got family connections. I do
2: have family connections in Canada, and I love all of our family connections there. And Ottawa is a gorgeous city, and you should all go there. Yeah. However, but one of the things that they have not talked about is um, the freedom of religion mm. and freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And um, neither one of those... Are, I, th- I would say both of them are under assault in Canada. Uh, interesting. So I would not put that at number two. But okay. they're not asking me. Right. Uh, U.S. News did not take that into account. The number one country this year, again, is Switzerland.
3: Oh, number one.
2: Yeah, number one. Uh, but here's the thing. Who can afford to live there? Right. They have nine million people.
3: Mm-hmm. I know live... two of them, Clint and Martin.
2: <laughs> and I'm sure they're very happy. And are they very rich?
3: Yes. Okay. Sons like every- of bankers. Okay,
2: so like everything else. So how can it be the best country if only rich people can live in it? Really?
0: The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group